0: Please be seated. Well, Happy New Year to everybody. And uh, just to give you a quick update, um, many of you know our mission team, uh, including Pastor John and uh, the boys Skidmore, are uh, uh, on their way, as a matter of fact, about 40 minutes ago they safely landed in Niger. So they are uh, they're on the ground and... Um, going to have a great life-changing experience, I'm sure. So uh, we can continue, please continue to pray for them every day for the next uh, couple weeks until they uh, safely return to us. Well, in my life, I have been blessed to have the opportunity to travel to many faraway places and see much of the amazing world that God has created Uh, Recently, I had uh, an experience. I was filling out the uh, application for an Indian business visa uh, for work, and it asked me on there to list all of the countries I had visited in the last 10 years on that visa. Well, as I thought it through and started making the list, I was actually pretty surprised to find that there were 13 different countries in the world I had been to in the last 10 years. Now, some of those were great places like Italy and Hong Kong and France and Russia. And some of them were not so great places like Iraq and India and Benin in Africa, this little tiny country. But the thing that all those places have in common is that they're filled with people. And some of those places, a lot more people than other places. But a lot of those people were very different from me in looking at them. But what we all shared is that we are all God's creation. We all bear his image and we are all loved by him. Another thing all these people have in common is that to one degree or another, they all lack wisdom. And you and I are a part of that group too. And unfortunately, many of them and some of us are looking for wisdom in the wrong places and from the wrong source. And this great lack of wisdom in our society today is destroying marriages, is destroying the lives of many young people and making fools out of some older people. The walk of a Christian is to be with wisdom as we go through life. The book of Ephesians tells us to look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. As Pastor John, Richard, and I spent some time together over the last few months praying and thinking about Ministry here at Crossway, we worked hard to ensure that our focus was on helping people to become disciples of Christ and grow in that calling with a renewed focus on God's word. And we have been laying this foundation out for you during the past few weeks. And it is appropriate that we start the year uh, in John's absence. Richard and I will bring you a short sermon series from the book of Proverbs. So let's look at our text for this morning. Please turn with me to Proverbs 1.1. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you today, you'll find one under the seats in front of you. And you'll find our text on page 527. If you don't own a Bible and you like this one, uh, please feel free to keep it uh, as our gift. Okay, Proverbs 1.1. 1, 1. <clears throat> the proverb of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, before we dive into the text itself, let me give you some background review on the book of Proverbs to help us better understand how to view this text. Most of the book of Proverbs was written by Solomon, as identified in the beginning of our text. Solomon was the son of David and became the king of Israel after his father. Second Chronicles tells us the story of, of how God appeared to Solomon after he had become the king and told him, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon asked God to make him the richest, most powerful man in the world. Right? No, that's not what Solomon asked for. Just making sure you're awake this morning. Solomon asked God to give him wisdom and knowledge. And we are told that God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore and that the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom. So apparently Solomon was a pretty sharp guy. The book itself is what we call wisdom literature and is like the books of Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. The books are a collection of short teachings originally meant to instruct Israelite young men on how to live life in a manner pleasing to the Lord. We need, we need to realize that the sayings are meant to be short and to the point, something easy to remember. So sometimes they're a bit oversimplified and for us may need some additional biblical biblical revelation to get a full understanding so what is the purpose of these proverbs the purpose of the book is given to us in verses two through six and in this opening chapter the writer of proverbs is really trying to get our attention and impress us with just how important these scriptures are it's really over the top this is like the super bowl commercial of the bible right here I mean, look at what is promised in these few short verses, wisdom, understanding, wise dealing, prudence, knowledge, discretion, learning, wise counsel, all of this. And who is this for? The simple, the youth, the youth, the youth, (laughs) and those who already have some wisdom, all of us. (laughs) But before we jump into all these meaty morsels contained in Proverbs, we are given a very important admonition from Solomon, a scriptural truth so important that it is repeated over and over again throughout the Bible. Verse seven tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and fools are despise wisdom and instruction. We'll talk more about the fear of the Lord in a few minutes, but first let's let's clarify some terms. At first glance, it's easy to get the concepts of knowledge and wisdom confused. The Christian life is one that is spent in the constant pursuit of wisdom, for it is wisdom that allows us to live a distinctly Christian way. James tells us that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But we hear very little about wisdom in our society today. Instead, we are focused on getting more and more information. We spend money on devices So that we can be more and more connected. We know where our friends are and what they are doing every moment of the day. And maybe that's not a good thing. We can get phone calls any place. Even places where people should not be answering the phone. Have you ever called someone on their phone? They answer the phone and they say to you, I can't talk right now. I'll call you right back. Don't answer the phone if you can't talk. We are not slaves to that device. We are bombarded by information, Facebook notifications, emails, texts on our phone, updates on our phone from ESPN, the Weather Channel, on and on and on, constantly interrupting our day. But it's important to remember that information is, does not equal wisdom, okay? In the 1980s, Russell Ackoff, a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, popularized a model called the D-I-K-W model. That's data, information, knowledge, wisdom, and it's a progression. At the most basic level, we have data, a letter, an emoticon, a list of numbers, they really have no meaning outside of the context that they're in. When we collect data together, we create information. Information answers basic questions about the data that we have collected or establishes some sort of relational connection between the data. Who, what, where, when. For example, if we throw a bunch of numbers into cells in a spreadsheet, we have data that we've collected. If we add a heading to that column of numbers and classify them as something, then we now have information. When we collect, collate, or compare pieces of information, then we acquire knowledge. Knowledge makes information useful. A basic example is a multiplication table. It's got a bunch of numbers thrown into squares, but then there are headings at the top that clarify what those numbers are, and they provide useful information that we can memorize so that when we need to know what 2 times 2 is, we know that it's 4. right? And if we memorize many of the Proverbs written by Solomon in this book, they are a form of knowledge. And finally... When we apply facts and knowledge that we have to make decisions about situations in our lives, then we express wisdom. Wisdom combines knowledge with experience for application. Every day we encounter data, information, and knowledge, but the Bible calls us to live with wisdom. The experience to apply knowledge in a wise manner can come to us in two primary ways. First, we can use our own personal experience, which is sort of a trial and error method. There's certainly some advantage in the first hand uh, experience of things in life like this, however, there are some pretty serious pitfalls. First of all, if the wrong choice is made and not discovered until later, much time can be wasted in this effort. And additionally, there may be some serious consequences for the mistakes made, and we will have to live with those consequences for the rest of our lives. The other way is to look to proven experience, the counsel of others. This can be a far superior method, possibly avoiding the wasting of time and the suffering of consequences. However, we must take care to choose the source of counsel that we listen to. And this is the value of the book of Proverbs, the wisdom literature in general. Here we can find wisdom that is divinely inspired by God. It is expressed to us in a way that is concise and easy to remember and proven true by generations of righteous people who have successfully lived out their lives by it. What an amazing gift. So now we come to the final verse of our text. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction so what does this mean the fear of the Lord if we look back to the Old Testament in the book of Exodus when God was on Mount Sinai it says now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking the people were afraid and they trembled And they stood afar off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. The people were literally scared of death. They thought God was going to smoke them where they stood. But Moses told them God wasn't coming to kill them at all, but he wanted them to be afraid. He wanted them to be scared enough of him that they'd be too afraid of his wrath to sin. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we are told that the early church in Judea and Galilee and Samaria was growing and prospering because they were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. In Philippians, we are admonished by by Paul to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Oswald Chambers says the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else, whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. David Hubbard describes it this way, fear is best understood as reverent obedience. Although it includes worship, it does not end there. It radiates out from our adoration and devotion to our everyday conduct that sees each moment as the Lord's time, each relationship as the Lord's opportunity, each duty as the Lord's command, and each blessing As the Lord's gift. It is a new way of looking at life. And seeing what is meant to be viewed from God's perspective. Here are just a few things the Bible relates with the fear of the Lord. In Psalm 25 it says the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. In Psalm 33. Behold. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. In Psalm 34, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Proverbs 10, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. And Proverbs 15, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. So, friends, I challenge you to search through the scriptures and see the many blessings of life that come with the fear of the Lord. These, trust me, are just a few. But I also, I don't want you to be confused about these scripture verses. Again, David Hubbard reminds us. We cannot use proverbs like subway tokens that are guaranteed to open the turnstile every time we drop them in. That's not how they work. They're guidelines, not mechanical formulas. They're procedures that we follow, not promises that we claim. We need them, we heed them as best we can, try to gain the wisdom that the experience can teach, and then leave large amounts of room for God to surprise us with outcomes different from what our plans prescribe. Well, if fear of the Lord is the beginning and wisdom is the end, then what is in between? My friends, in between is Christ. You see, we are sinful in our natures and wholly unable to do good on our own. We are the fools who despise wisdom and instruction in verse seven. But God has made a way for us through the person of Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, conquered death and rose again. Friends, to know wisdom, you must first know the Lord. And if we know the Lord, we are blessed with the presence of the Holy Spirit who helps guide us in our lives. In just a few minutes, uh, we will start the year with a celebration of the Lord's Supper together and celebrate the sacrifice that Christ has made on our behalf. If you don't know him as your savor Savior, the celebration is meaningless to you. But you can know him even right now. And if you don't, and you would like to, Pastor Richard and I will be available to talk to you after our service today. So friends, the last line I leave you with today is, shall we be wise or shall we be fools? Would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for this time that we have had to share your word today. And Lord, I just pray that uh, as it has been spoken, that it has reached hearts to those who need to hear it. And Lord, I just pray that we would continue to live lives that are pleasing and give honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.